From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. That the United States does not have interoperable health care. What I mean by that is, if you see a physician and you are diagnosed with an illness or have certain tests, it's very, very difficult to get that group of information out of a system and into the system that you're working with. And it has gotten so badly presented to us is that if you get a COVID-19 test done at public health here in Western Pennsylvania, they're having a hard time getting that into the two major healthcare systems here. That's Dr. Jay Anders talking about the ongoing interoperability issues within the U.S. healthcare system. We'll hear more from Jay on interoperability as well as the unnecessary burdens that medical practices face. But first, a word from our sponsors. A strong financial foundation can help physician practices of all sizes drive better health outcomes across the entire communities. Allscripts Revenue Cycle Management Services is a robust end-to-end revenue cycle solution that helps improve reimbursement processes by delivering users access to advanced analytics and reporting. Allscripts is the partner you need to help manage the business of healthcare through a medical billing solution you can trust. Learn more about how Allscripts can help you change what's possible for your practice as you adapt to these uncertain times at allscripts.com. Improving healthcare through innovation is at the heart of Greenway Health's work. Greenway provides EHR, practice management, and revenue cycle management solutions that help practices in multiple specialties grow profitably, remain compliant, work more efficiently, and improve patient outcomes. Greenway works with more than 55,000 providers across the country with millions of lives touched daily by its solutions. To learn more, visit greenwayhealth.com or call 877-537-0063. The American Medical Association recently released guidance on reducing unnecessary burdens for clinicians. In today's episode, Dr. Jay Anders, Chief Medical Officer of Medicomp Systems, addresses EHR pain points such as usability and eliminating the stupid stuff to help decrease clinician stress as well as reduce physician burnout. Well, Jay, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Now, you are Chief Medical Officer of Medicomp Systems. Um, what is your focus there and, and how has that changed, if at all, with the unique challenges related to the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, what I do at, at, Med, at uh, Medicom Systems is actually lead the physician leadership that we have. And what that means is we have a knowledge base that we have physicians who are knowledge-based engineers. So I lead that team as well as do some of the construction design and physician-facing software items that we also produce. 
but basically my job is to construct, keep up to date, modify our clinic knowledge engine and lead the team that does that. And as far as changes with COVID-19, it's been kind of interesting. COVID-19 had a lot of iterations before they actually started calling it. It had four or five different names. Um, there were interim codes that people had to use to bill for treatment of this particular ailment. Um, different sets of, because we are a diagnostic engine, different sets of diagnostic options and symptoms and signs for this particular illness. So it's been an ongoing process. And, and in the beginning, I spent many hours reviewing literature for this particular disease. And now it's trying to just keep up with different codes and different treatments. And as we all know, a vaccine has been announced that's 90% effective uh, so far. And guess what? Yesterday, CPT put out codes to administer that vaccine. So it's trying to keep all that straight as far as COVID-19, but also it's just overall maintenance of our clinical diagnostic engine. Thanks for that, Jay. Now, the pandemic has caused some unique burdens, some unique stresses to medical practices. As you know, and anybody in the healthcare world knows, there already were a lot of burdens and stresses in place anyway. Now, one of the things that, that you sent my way was um, a topic here, getting rid of what's called the stupid stuff, re reducing the unnecessary burdens for clinicians. First of all, I want to get your idea. What, what sparked your interest in this topic? Well, I've been interested in, in how we can assist physicians in doing what they do for a very long time. As a matter of fact, pretty much all my medical practice. I mean, I've had leadership roles in a large multi-specialty group practice, head of internal medicine, head of clinic operations. And we would always try to see how can we actually make the job or the work that clinicians have better, easier, get them through their day with less stress and less kind of what I would call clinical noise in everything that they do. So that's been ongoing. And it started out with how do we, back in paper world, how do you really make a, a code determination on a document? How can we work with coders and physicians and things like that? That has actually now morphed into a lot more stupid stuff <laughs> with the advent of EMRs. So you take all of the things that we had to do, take the EMR out of it for a moment, seeing patients and documenting that, and that was usually by dictation. Some did handwriting. It was illegible, but you just dictated your note, and that's mm -hmm. what you had. Now you've got electronic systems that you still do some dictation in. Some of it's coded. Some of it's not. But you have to take that same, do that same documentation. But now let's layer on a few more things. Let's layer on quality measures. Let's layer on, if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, HCC documentation, which is a little different. And then let's layer on just the plain stress of this pandemic. And what I mean by that is that you're going into your practice every day and you're seeing patients. Patients come in with a cough, a cold, you don't know whether it's COVID-19, or whether it's just a plain old upper respiratory tract infection without testing, but you're now exposed as a clinician. 
And I just went to my primary care physician about oh, two months ago, and she was issued one N95 mask by her clinic. The rest is just a plain surgical mask. So it's really hard to go in every day thinking, I may take this home to my family, and I may get a disease that I am not going to survive. So just add that to the psychologic stress of just practicing medicine. So let's take that another step further. Now I'm using the clinical system that my particular clinic has given me to use. And it's one that probably, because 99% of them aren't, designed to assist clinicians. They're designed to collect codes and to make sure that we get a bill out, things like that. There's not a lot in there that's helping clinicians do what they have to do. Plus, if you look at the fact that on an average, physicians will spend 15 to 20, 25 minutes per visit doing stuff on their EMR. Mm -hmm. And the bulk of that is documentation and looking up stuff they need to know about their patients. So why in the world can't we get the EMR companies, and they're starting to, and there's technology today to improve this, to fix that. So I can easily look at a patient that comes into my office who has diabetes or has heart disease and give me the view of all of that medical record for just the diabetes, because I want to deal with that clinically right now. Take all the rest of it away and reduce the clinical noise so I can focus. That actually would assist a clinician doing what they're doing as opposed to now you've got, and I said it's the bulk of the time in the EMR spent looking up things, give it to me where I can use it at the point of care. And I, I reduce all of that time and actually feel good about practicing medicine again. And, and that's kind of where we are. So we're trying to, the electronic world has the ability today to take all of that, and I mentioned CQMs, HCCs, any other quality measures, billing, all of that, and put it in the background and let the physician practice medicine. And that's kind of where we're focused at, at Medicom is to allow clinicians to do that. Mm -hmm. and get all this stupid stuff out of their way. So it's, it's just a matter of, of getting to it and getting it to happen. And there's a whole lot of other things that have, uh, this pandemic has kind of reared its ugly head and shown us. Mm -hmm. Now, the AMA uh, recently released guidance on this, kind of <laughs> touching on what you're calling the stupid stuff. One of their findings, and it's something you touched on a little bit a moment ago, was that all of these unnecessary burdens can and do contribute to burnout. Wanted to get your thoughts on that, uh, either anecdotally or um, you know, what you've seen in your research as far as burnout related to this? You know, interestingly, um, burnout has no particular stripe in the practice of medicine. What I mean by that is it's equal male, female. It's equal as far as age cohorts are concerned. There's no age group that it attacks more than others. It's just how that in particular individual deals with the stress. So, like I mentioned before, the COVID-19 stress, you know, the lack of, of good PPE, just the fact that you're in there dealing with something that's, you know, can be lethal, but really could make you sick. So there's that. 
We can't really do a whole lot about that. Yes, we can get more PPE, but we can't do a whole lot about that. We certainly can do a whole lot for EMRs to allow them to present to the clinician what they need to know, when they need to know it, at the point of care when patients are being seen. So we can't correct one thing, but we certainly could help correct another. And that would start to reduce some of that extra stress. So it's all about one thing on top of another, on top of another, that leads to that clinician burnout. And, it's, and I've seen it in folks that have just gotten out of residency and been practicing about two years. I've got a friend that said, how did you get to the job you are? They want, they want to be out of medicine. They want mm. to do something else because it's just too much for them. Mm. And then I've seen a whole load of physicians that are at the ends of their careers retiring early because of this. So it is happening. It's something that I think we can help with and help to correct as we go through this, this really tough period with this pandemic. So it, it's just a matter of what can we do today to get that to happen? And there are things to do. Mm -hmm. I want to get to those in a minute um, and talk about some of those steps. But first, I want to take one step deeper. Let's, let's take one you know, closer look at what are those pain points? I know you've talked about EMRs, but what is actually happening? What is happening that's requiring more time, more brain power, and you know, ending up as more stress? Well, I'm gonna because I work in electronic healthcare now, I, I want to focus a little bit on that, but mm -hmm. there's I'll go something a little bit out of that. We have been demonstrated now that the United States does not have interoperable healthcare. What I mean by that is if you see a physician and you are diagnosed with an illness or have certain tests, it's very, very difficult to get that group of information out of a system and into the system that you're working with. And it has gotten so badly presented to us is that if you get a COVID-19 test done at public health here in Western Pennsylvania, they're having a hard time getting that into the two major healthcare systems here. So it's the lack of connection to get a real clinical picture for a doc. So you ask a lot more questions, takes more time, and you have to work through it. Then you have a lot of what I call changing document requirements. And I mentioned a few of them before. Um, there are CQMs that Medicare has put out for physicians as part of their payment program. And as you've noticed, that is going to be more and more the way things are going to be done in the future than not. The 2021 guidelines as far as E&M, you know, evaluation and management codes, are going to have a big weight placed on how the patient is doing and how successful you are as opposed to what you documented. So it's a whole different way of doing things. And I think that's going to be the wave of the future. It certainly is for the HCCs, which are hierarchical condition codes mm -hmm. that have been put out for Medicare Advantage plans because their documentation is a, is a little bit different. It's more focused, but, but not as in depth as people used to have because they're not counting bullets anymore. <laughs> so it's, it's the change 
that we need to work through. Um, so with, with a lack, without a good clinical picture of, of a patient in front of you, because you couldn't get records from everywhere else they've been, and right now they're going everywhere. People are dropping by Walgreens, and they're going to the primary care physicians, and they're going to MedExpress and a few other places, and trying to collect all that to get a good picture of what your patients are doing is, is a definite stress. Couple that with the fact that you've got all the documentation and, and clinical and, and change requirements required in your documentation to handle all of that. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a philosophical question then, because you made the <laughs> you made the uh, reference to when we used to document things by hand, and one of the problems there was just reading the the handwriting. You know, being able to decipher. Uh, what was being written, but we've moved from this, you know, documented, handwritten, documented style or process to electronic record keeping. Technology in so many ways makes our lives easier. I think about, for instance, the Amazon ecosystem. You just jump in there, you, you get what you want, and it's in a package on your doorstep in 24 hours or whatever, and it's easy. Technology has made that easier. Why do we still have so much stress then? I know you said interoperability is one of the aspects, but why can we not make things easier then now that we've moved digitally or use the use of other technology there? Well, interestingly, the major EMR developers have not focused on that particular problem. Hmm. These systems were designed to collect codes, primarily for billing, and then have documentation that will support those codes. So though the design of those systems didn't include physicians from the get-go, or very many physicians. So they built a system, it's like building a car, and then all of a sudden you find that the car you're building is for people who have no legs. Yeah. So the foot pedals don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. So I didn't ask you if you had legs. I just built a car. Mm -hmm. So they didn't ask what physicians really need at the point of care and the data they need to assist in that care when they started developing these systems. Now they're just installed everywhere. I mean, everybody, 90, I think it's up to 93% now of clinics have an electronic health system. We, the act that we put in, the ECA Act took care of all of that. So now we've got to find out how do we make these systems better as opposed to how you rip and replace because there are people out there that are not going to tolerate this much longer. And we have we've got a client that basically said, I can't find any of these systems that I really like to use. And they had the wherewithal, meaning the computer programming department, as well as cash, to build their own system, because they were so tired of using everybody else's mistakes. So it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, there's problems, but the problems can be fixed, but nobody's really interested in trying to fix them. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'd like to talk about just a little bit on this regard is there's always this... Um, you hear it out in the, in the industry now, actually quite a bit, where you have 
natural language processing is going to lead to machine learning and the computer will learn from you of how you do things. And that's gonna fix everything. Well, I've been hearing this for a long time and natural language processing is going down the road quite a ways and we have a version of it that, that we deal with. But the most intelligent thing in a doctor's office is the thing that sits between the physician's ears. We have to start focusing on how do we assist the clinician in doing their work as opposed to here are the things you have to do. We'll tell you how to do them. And I think that's been our biggest downfall. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I want to talk about some, you know, solutions then. Um, what are, you, you keep making the reference that we're, we're just not focused on the right thing then. So what can we do? What are some action steps that an individual practice uh, clinic can do then to make this less burdensome and easier for them, less stressful on their staff? You know, I thought about this a lot and I've, I've answered it in several different ways, but one of the ways I think we really got to do as, as providers, meaning physicians, nurses, advanced practice nurses, physician assistants, all of those. We need to stand up and say, we need something different than what we have. You're not helping us. You're actually hurting us in all the different ways you've designed this thing. So what do we do to do that? And right now, and Medicom's one of those uh, that has started down that path, how do we enhance what we have to make it easier and better and actually improve patient care as opposed to the same old thing. So providers need to stand up and say, wait a minute, we've got technology and you're absolutely right when you said that. We've got technology like Amazon will drop a box on your front step <laughs> within 24 hours. Yeah. Why in the world can't we solve this? So the answer to that question is we can. The other answer to that question is we've got to provide enough influence on the people providing this kind of, of support to physicians, I've used that in quotes, um, to change what they're doing, to really help us do what we have to do, as opposed to, oh, just here's another task, and instead of 20 minutes for every patient encounter, it's gonna be another 30 minutes because we've added a few more things to your list. So we just can't, we need not to accept what these what major providers of electronic healthcare are passing out and what i'm seeing in the industry is there are folks circling around basically saying okay you guys are unhappy we're going to provide you with something that will make you happy and they're working on that but it's going to take a little while but i haven't seen a lot of that in the major vendors mm -hmm. in, in speaking with you previously um analysis, measuring things is important because then you can see your progress. You can see where those pain points are, and then you can begin to rectify that situation. So are there particular KPIs or there particular measurements uh, that you believe practices should really pinpoint so they can begin to loosen or ease this burden that's on them? Well, I was <clears throat> the president of a 125 member group practice. And we went through a really in-depth analysis of what we were doing. 
And this is back before electronic healthcare, by the way. Mm -hmm. And that is who collects what data when, you know, meaning that a patient's coming in, who, who's going to ask the patient why they're here, or can we do that ahead of time? So driving information gathering down to the lowest level, so we're not redoing it over and over and over again. Uh, looking at what types of patients need what types of care. So working together as a team with the same set of, of criteria to start to manage patients. So there is that. The other, and it's probably the more important one, is if you have really, really good clinical data, you can do marvelous things with patients. And what I mean by that is, there's Phoenix, I'll use their name because we can, uh, Phoenix Children's Hospital, mm -hmm. very, very large, prestigious children's hospital, has a, a division of rheumatoid or rheumatology, which they treat a lot of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis patients, which if you've ever seen one is very, very severe. Mm -hmm. They took data and they demonstrated that by following certain patients more closely because they had the data to do that, they actually made that group of patients markedly better. Inflammation of their joints went down, pain went down, function went up, reduced their need to go into emergency rooms. It was amazing to see. And it was all because they had really, really great clinical data to work on. So they focused on that, and now they're focusing on every other department in that particular hospital to try to recreate all of that. So you ask what people can do, look for best practices. How can we best treat X? And what resources do we have to treat X? And what's the best way to get to those? So there's a lot of things you can do from organizational standpoint, from electronic data standpoint, to make the practice of medicine really fun again, because that's why we got trained to do it. It wasn't to make a note and it wasn't to get a code. Uh, really help us treat our patients and when our patients get better, you're going to have a much happier group of providers because that is so rewarding, it overshadows a whole lot of things. Mm -hmm. I, since COVID-19 has, has hit us and, and kind of really put us into a new normal, I've been asking everybody I talk to about maybe some personal choices they've made to lessen stress, to get their you know, work life in better alignment, their mind body in better alignment. Um, I want to ask you that same question then. What, what have you focused on um, that you'd like to share with us as some final thoughts on how you've dealt with stress, how you've uh, dealt with things in your life that you can share and, and help others have some guidance there? Well, interestingly, I have a tremendous number of hobbies and that can be a <laughs> blessing and a hurt at first. So. Um, I actually kind of combed that down a little bit and started focusing more on things that I really, really wanted to do. And one of those I've always, I, I'm a musician by training. I play trumpet and French horn, but I always wanted to play the guitar. So I thought, okay, what can I do to make myself a happier person and do something I've always wanted to do? Mm -hmm. So I'm taking guitar lessons mm -hmm. online to learn how to play the guitar. And it is so relaxing 
and it's given me so much joy that it makes the rest of the day go a lot better. <laughs> so, you know, my recommendation for folks is pick out what you, what really makes you happy and feel good about yourself and feel good about your family and the people around you and do that, whatever that is, whether it be exercise or a hobby or learning of the guitar. You could, you can put that in your life and really try to, to reduce the stress. And one thing I will recommend, if you start one of those things, when you're doing it, don't think about the rest of your day. Think about it only because the rest of your day tends to creep in anyway. It sure does. All right, Jay. Well, it, it has been such a pleasure to talk uh, with you and get some of these uh, ideas in place. I know that's going to be very helpful for our listeners. So thanks so much for the work you're doing. And I look forward to catching up with you again sometime. Thank you very much, Daniel. Appreciate it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Jay Anders. And thanks to Allscripts and to Greenway Health for sponsoring this week's show. Learn more about how Allscripts can help you change what's possible for your practice as you adapt to these uncertain times at allscripts.com. And to learn more about Greenway Health's EHR, practice management, and revenue cycle management solutions, visit greenwayhealth.com or call 877-537-0063. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.